Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. At the end of the day, sometimes the numbers all start to look the same. And I really believe what's most important, it's the people behind the numbers. And if you can get that part right, and you're in it for the long haul with them, I think you're going to be happy with the results. And I feel like we found a few of those partners who were in this for the long haul, and that's why we're doing so many deals together. And that's important to vet out before you commit to something. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Ryan McKenna. Ryan is joining us from Glenview, Illinois. He is the CEO and founder of McKenna Capital, a private equity company that provides passive investment opportunities in real estate, senior living, Bitcoin mining, self-storage, car washes, and other alternative investments. Ryan is a GP on over 70 syndications, including 15,000 multifamily units with a total value over $2 billion. He is also an LP on over 100 investments. Ryan, grateful to have you. How are you today? Gosh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show here. It's our pleasure. Ryan, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? 
Sure. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family and always had that kind of mindset someday. I wanted to run a business and be an investor and control my time. Uh, my father always had that ability with his business and was able to coach me in sports and just always kind of be there at all my activities. So I want to be able to do that same for my kids. It actually helped growing up having all that support because I ended up going to Arizona State University on a baseball scholarship. I give a lot of credit to my parents for being there and all the batting practices and everything they did to make sure I had every opportunity to succeed. So I got to my dream school, Arizona State, which was just an amazing opportunity to play with some of the best baseball players in the country. And my dream set on going to the next level. Arizona State, if you're not familiar, it's got more major league draft picks than any other division one school. A lot of my teammates went on to play professional baseball. I think there were 17 that made up in the major league. So this was always kind of like, Hey, I got there. Now it's going to go to the next level. And then life threw me a curveball. I got diagnosed with ITP. It's a blood platelet disorder end of my sophomore year and everything completely changed. I went from starting at Arizona State University to being in a hospital for six months and really dealing with a serious illness that very similar to leukemia and lupus. So I was bedridden and literally had to do a medical red shirt. So at that point, I had to start thinking about what next. Baseball is obviously not going to work out for me. And I had to go to plan B and that was falling back on my education. But while I was at Arizona State University, I got to know the multifamily space really well. One of my teammates, his father was an apartment syndicator in Phoenix. So I got firsthand experience kind of seeing what he was doing and just thought that was really cool. And at the same time, while I was bedridden in the hospital, I was given the book by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I just devoured that thing, read it multiple times. It became my blueprint for real estate investing passively, which is what I do today. So I took everything I learned and applied to get to the top level division one baseball to what I'm doing today and just the business world in general. And I think there's a lot of similar traits. And I always say you got to have adversity in life to really be able to balance back and appreciate the things that you do chase and achieve. And it's just a story I like to share because I thought life was going in one area and I thought I was going to have an opportunity to be that athlete that made good money and, and was smart about it and invested it. And I knew where I was going to put the money is being exposed to real estate syndications at an early age, but I had to start from scratch and work my way up. And here we are today. I built a pretty successful business and we've worked with thousands of investors. I'm very proud with what we're doing because not only was I able to help myself get that lifestyle by design that I always had sought, but we're helping many others do the same. And it's fun to be involved in all these different syndications and, and really kind of work together. That team approach that I had when I played baseball at Arizona State. So I'm super passionate with what I do and, and happy to share more about my journey, what we're doing today, but we're in the syndication space and we love assets that cash flow have equity upside and great tax benefits. Ryan, I got to ask you, you are undeniably committed to a baseball future. How long did it take you to come to grips with that not being the case? I would say up until recently, McKenna Capital and where I was able to get to with these investments, it was like the first time in my life where I felt like I'm loving something more than the baseball dream that I wanted to chase for so long. And I actually feel like this is what I am born to do. And it took a lot of different things in my life to really get to this place. And it was hard because my identity was associated with this baseball player for so many years. And it was crushing the way it ended because I couldn't go out on my own terms. I literally had to walk away because of the medical issues I was having. And it literally happened at the worst time because 
your junior year is the first year you're eligible for the draft. Most of my teammates went pro and here I am doing a medical red shirt and having to graduate and then walk away. And it was tough. So it took me many years to finally get over that. And now I look at what we do in real estate syndication and I always say, hey, you can make pro athlete money doing this. So it more than made up for any baseball dreams that I would have had. So I'm in a great place now. I'm totally fine health-wise. This was just kind of a rare blood platelet disorder that happened at a critical time in my life when I was playing baseball, but I've been fine ever since. And I think I'm lucky in a way that I got started in the business world a little bit earlier. And here we are. All right. Now that we know this story has a happy ending, let's dive into how the hell did you start this thing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've had a few side hustles along the way, and I didn't start investing into real estate syndications until 2016. Prior to that, I did some single family rentals like most, but I knew that multifamily syndication was where I wanted to be. It's where I felt like I'd scale the most. And it was very much a passive investment versus I found the single family homes to not really be passive because you get a lot of the calls from the tenants and you're dealing with all that and it's taking you away from your job. But what I looked at syndications was I felt like I was working hard. I was making good money. But I can invest and build out the cash flow needed to walk away from the corporate world. And I felt like syndications was just a different way to do it. Most of the time when I was pursuing this, we're still doing how many doors do I need? How many houses do I need? And I was looking at really just the cash flow, kind of backing into a number that I could get from these syndications to give me the ability to say, hey, I'm going to walk away from my W-2 and, and pursue this full time. And so over a period of about three years, I started just investing everything I had and, and through some side hustles, I had some successful businesses that I was able to have some decent seed capital. But then I got to the point where I was sharing what I was doing with others and people were just so excited and really felt like they wanted to be part of it. And that's where I felt like, okay, maybe I should take this one step further. And I always wanted to be a syndicator. And I felt like this was the great time to do it because I had personally done it myself and it was working for me. So I wanted to start a business, which I did McKenna Capital back in 2018 to really help others in my network. And it started with friends and family and it just grew from there. And now it's a ton of referrals and I, I love all the different people I get to interact with. And I got in through my teammate's father. I invested in five deals with him. So that was a great relationship to kind of start my investing journey because I knew him very well. And he became a mentor to me throughout those years where I was trying to figure out where I was going. And then I started investing with other syndicators because I wanted to get exposure to different deals and different markets so I could learn and see what else was out there as I was starting to look at building my own business And then I got started as a co-GP partnering with others who I respected the industry, who I felt like I could add value to. And we started small and then just grew it from there. And I have probably two or three relationships I look back on and, and they really were critical to our growth. And now I built a business really where it's all about the passive investor because I look at all the different deals we do and I want it to be where investors have great deal flow. They get to choose the right deals that fit their goals and objectives. And I really took it to heart to to represent the passive investors out there because at my core, I've built up my own personal investments to really give myself that resiliency in any sort of downturn that things are still going to keep growing. Or when you go on vacation and the money keeps coming in from these types of investments. So it's all by design. And I'm just fortunate that a lot of people out there 
really like these types of investments. And for me, it was about just creating more awareness because I feel like these are such great opportunities that most people don't even realize exist. So my mission was really to just get the word out and let other investors decide if it's the right fit for them or not. Ryan, I think like myself, a lot of the best ever listeners have some crazy numbers going through their head. One of them is 70 syndications, 15,000 multifamily units, but then you threw us a curveball and you said you started your company in 2018. How did you scale so quickly? It's a great question. I'm someone who I believe is as efficient as I could be running my business. I did it with good partners. I did it with a lot of work. This is still in some ways a startup. And I've always had that mentality that I like to work hard. And what was very fulfilling about this was that I was helping others along the way. And this doesn't feel like work to me. It's something I'm truly passionate about. And I think it really helped because through some of the partnerships I had, support and back office that really I could spend a lot of my times working with our investors. Um, and we had some back office staff that can help me with the other aspects that still need to get done and take a lot of time in these deals. But yeah, my brother came on board about six months ago. He's our COO. And I honestly don't know how I was able to do it all by myself for that long. And we're busting at the seams already right now, just with everything. But yeah, it was one of those where I just felt like the timing was great. And I came in at a great time with some people who were really kind of getting going and we've just together flourished. And one thing kind of led to another, when you have a really solid partnership and you're in a certain market that's going really well and you've got a great system in place, you can easily replicate the deal flow. And just to give you a perfect example, in the last three years, We've purchased over a billion dollars just in Phoenix alone, and we were buying one apartment a month. And the market's been on fire there for definitely the last several years and still obviously very hot right now. But at the time, yeah, we're going at such a fast pace, but I look back on it now and it's like, wow. And we've exited eight or nine of those deals already too, and the returns have been pretty phenomenal. So it was just kind of head down and in great partnerships. And honestly, the growth has really just been to support the demand that we've seen. We don't have a certain number of deals we need to do, and we say no to a lot. And really, it was about building really good partnerships and going deep in those. And I'm just trying to keep up with the investor demand that's coming in and trying to match that up with good deal flow. Multifamily is our main focus, but we've also gotten into other alternatives that just give investors different choices. So that was a lot of work as well. But being a full-time syndicator, past investor, all I do is connect with people in this space. So I feel like I got a good pulse of what's going on. I'm listening to investors. I'm talking with our operating partners. I'm learning about new investment opportunities. And typically I try to invest first in those to really test run them, make sure that this is a good fit. And if it is, then we would maybe consider doing a fund or something like that for our investors. So it's something I'm truly passionate about and I do spend a lot of time, but I think I look back on it the last three, four years have been a lot of hard work and now my most valuable asset is time and I'm looking forward to getting some of that back. Ryan, when you say we, who is that? As far as our partners or who works with me? Or I want to understand a little bit more about the evolution of McKenna Capital. You started out obviously as a passive investor in someone else's deals. Did you then transition into being the operator, doing your own syndications, or did you always partner with other operators? That was a decision. I looked at what was best for our investors. And I felt like 
being an investor myself, like say, for example, after I invested in three deals in Orlando as a pass investor, I'm going to probably want to diversify another market just because that made sense to me. So instead of us going and putting sole focus in one market, and that's where we're going to plant our flag, I said, why don't we go out and find the best partners in the markets we really want to be in? And we'll play a key role with them, but we're going to you know, take less because we're ultimately coming in and partnering in a joint venture structure. And it's good for the investors because then they're going to get deal flow from Phoenix, Dallas, Orlando, the Carolinas, Colorado. So that was been our approach from day one. And it's one where today, yeah, we could go hire an acquisitions person and go find the market and we've got enough capital from our investors to go do our own deals. I still like the structure that we're working in because it's great for investors. And we've done our own deals. Typically, those are more in the alternative spaces where we would be considered a sole sponsor. But from the multifamily perspective, we really liked being that that co-manager, co-GP. And I get very involved in all those deals. I mean, for most of them, every single property in Phoenix, I'm on, I sign on a loan, I put up earnest money, I invest in the deal. I've got skin in the game, as they say. So yeah, I'm very, very involved, but I'm lucky that I have some great partners as well. And it gives me the ability to have a little bit more leverage and grow a little bit faster. And at the end of the day, like I said, I'm trying to do this all for the benefit of investors that are looking for good deals. And we really like the markets that we're in. And I couldn't do it without the partners that we have today. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years. And he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Ryan, are most of your investments a fund of funds type model? No, we've done some fund of funds, but most of our, since I'm part of the general partnership, there are direct investments into the deal. So when we partner with someone, our investors are coming into the same LLC that is created. There's a manager's LLC that I'm part of as a general partnership. And then there's the LLC for the deal that all the investors invest in. So it's generally coming in through that structure and LLC structure. And then the funds, I would say 
We've seen more of those on some of the alternative asset classes that we see more fund of funds or more of a fund structure. But the single asset multifamily is really just a LLC that's coming in with all the investors. So we just kind of work together as a partnership, make it all happen. Yeah. If somebody wants to set up a similar type of entity, how do they end up making money on this? So as far as partnering with um, someone yeah, or uh, with, if they want to do like a fund of a fund approach or? Well, let's say you are bringing your investor capital into someone else's deal. How does that person get paid? It's all a negotiation on the front end of the deal and it varies. And we've got partnerships that are 50-50. So it doesn't matter how much capital we're bringing in. We're coming in and saying, all right, well, yes, we could probably bring in a lot of capital, but you got a lot of operation experience. We'll both sign on the loan. We'll just work together. And so a lot of the deals we do now, yeah, it's more of a 50-50 joint structure. Sometimes it might be a third, a third, a third, if you've got three partners. Other times it might be based upon kind of your role and your value and everything else you're doing. So it's kind of spread across the board, but we're in a position, fortunately, where, like I said, we could go and do our own deals if we want to. So when we're looking to partner, we're really looking more for a joint venture overall because we get involved with the asset management. We get involved signing the loan. We're putting up earnest money. We're working with a big group of investors. So there's a lot of work that's put into this. So generally, it's an upfront negotiation. And then we don't really worry about it from deal to deal. You know, We just go out and execute. And once we set it in, in stone and you got a good partnership, it just happens naturally. So it's really kind of up to you. I would say starting out, you're going to have less leverage to negotiate, but we're in a good place now where we're very selective and whoever we decide to partner with, we do bring a lot of value and we want to make sure it's a good fit, good deal all around, but we don't need to do more deals or partnerships. It's just, Hey, what's working well and what is the interest from our investors? And typically when we find a really good partner, we'll do a lot of deals together. We've got two partners. One we've done 26 deals with, the other one we've done 22 together. So there's a big track record and consistency there. And they're both pretty cool stories because on the one we started partnering as their third deal they ever did. And the other one, it was their first deal. And both of them have exceeded the billion dollar mark in each of their markets, which is just phenomenal growth all within a three, four year period. And so that's how we've grown as well. We've been part of these two rocket ships that have really just taken off. And we've got a few others that are on a smaller scale, but it's been just kind of a great partnership. And I think the one thing that we've gotten good at is identifying these up and coming syndicators where They've got a great team. They're in a great market. They're very competent and they're coming in from whether it's real estate experience or experience in the business world that led me to believe that they would have success. And together we've just taken it, made it better for investors. And we've been very fortunate that things have worked out. And so there are some pretty cool stories just in the growth, not just with our firm, but our partners too. And we've kind of taken the, maybe more of the silent partner approach and, but we're pretty well connected within the industry with what we do. And and it's pretty cool to see and reflect on where we are today. So essentially, when you're bringing capital to the table, when you're signing on the loan, when you're bringing the earnest money to the table, you get to negotiate whatever share you want. And if you're doing all of that, is that fair to say you've earned 50% of the GP? Yeah, it depends on the deal. Follow-up question to that is, do you require the operator to also have capital into the deal? Yes, we would require that because I don't want 
And I don't think they would want it to be where we're responsible for bringing all the capital into a deal. We don't want that pressure. And I want to know that my partners out there working with investors too, they might spend more of their time on the operations, maybe finding the deal. But I think it's good to, for us because we're going to play a role in the due diligence. We're going to play a role in the asset management. So I think it's good for everyone to help out in all aspects, but certain people are going to take the lead on certain aspects of it. And that's what I think makes a truly good partnership because then we can share best practices too. I get a lot of people that reach out to me from the investor perspective because we do touch a lot of different investors and we can give insights with what we see out there. And we feel like we had a good pulse in different markets. And that's very beneficial to an operator who's maybe looking at another deal. Is there going to be demand? Is this the right time? And that's some of the value that I think we can give and share. But yeah, I would expect whoever we're partnering with to bring in capital as well. And typically what we'll do is we'll divide it up. We'll say, hey, do you want half the capital? Do you want 75% of it? It's pretty easy going based upon the demand and the deal. And that's really kind of how we work it with them. And so far it's worked out really well. And I think it comes down to picking your partners because I know not every partnership works out, but I look at this as you got to vet that on the front end. And I tell investors, we see a ton of deals and at the end of the day, sometimes the numbers all start to look the same. And I really believe what's most important, it's the people behind the numbers. And if you can get that part right and you're in it for the long haul with them, I think you're going to be happy with the results. And I feel like we found a few of those partners who were in this for the long haul. And that's why we're doing so many deals together. And that's important to vet out before you commit to something. Yeah, right. Let's dive into some of these alternative investments. You've got self-storage, senior living, eh, pretty safe. Car washes, they're on fire right now, right? Yeah. They're just money makers. Bitcoin mining. So I've invested in a lot of these as well. And timing is kind of critical. Bitcoin's obviously taking a bit of a hit. Are these the same investors that put money into multifamily, that put money into these alternative investments? Yes. They're investors who have a pretty good solid foundation in the multifamily space and want to diversify. And so they're looking at emerging asset classes or other alternatives that just might give them a different diversification in their portfolio. So yeah, most of them are coming in from other investments that they've done with us. And I would say there's been a few that maybe didn't have the multifamily investments experience that jumped in because they found these to be attractive as well. But yeah, a lot of our investors look at the deals. They're building out their own private equity real estate portfolio and they're taking positions in different markets, different asset classes with different operators. And really it kind of depends on what their goals and objectives are because some deals we have that are going to be shorter in duration, high cash flow. Others might be, let's just say no cash flow, but bigger upside. And then multifamily's kind of got the, the best of both worlds and really kind of depends on what investors are looking for. But yeah, I was surprised, especially with our Bitcoin mining fund, we had a tremendous amount of investors come in from all the other deals that we've been a part of. And that was cool to see a lot of interest. Yeah. So Bitcoin's under a fair amount of pressure today. It's off over 60% from its highs. How's that investment doing? So our fund just kicked off not too long ago. Obviously there's a correlation to the price of Bitcoin. Being a Bitcoin miner though, we sat on a lot of the capital. So we raised a lot of this back in November, December. And when Bitcoin started to make its turn downward, we looked at this as a buying opportunity for the Bitcoin miners. So we secured a significant discount on the miners, which allowed us to get about 60% more computational power and buy a lot more miners for our fund. 
So there's value there that is going to be extracted over time as Bitcoin turns back up. So right now, it's all about just mining as much Bitcoin as we can. We know the value is down because the price of Bitcoin, but this is a long-term play. We knew there was going to be volatility. I would say I didn't expect it to be this volatile right now, but Bitcoin has an 80% correlation to the NASDAQ right now. And we know what's happening in the stock market and just other macroeconomic events. So yeah, it's not a fun place right now if you bought Bitcoin at the top because you've lost a lot, but you really only lost it if you sold it. So I invested a lot in the mining fund. I invest a lot in Bitcoin and crypto too. And I'll tell you right now, as much as it sucks where the market's at, there are some great buying opportunities to get in at a very low price point. So I continue to keep reinvesting because I do believe when we get out of this rut or recession, whatever it is, a lot of it's being manipulated right now, but I do think that there's going to be some great returns down the road. And with Bitcoin, it's a lot of the investors, I would say, and most people who invest in Bitcoin, we don't ever really plan on selling the Bitcoin. So the price is going to fluctuate. It's more about holding long-term and we believe in it. So we're not too worried about, they could go down to 15,000, 10,000, but I'm looking at this long-term and still very, very bullish. It's just right now is not a fun time. Yeah. And the reason I brought this up is, are you having to have tough conversations with investors? I wouldn't say tough, but yes, we're being very transparent with here's the profitability. And we're still profitable right now in our mining fund with the level of Bitcoin right now. So yeah, it's not the start that we had initially looked at back in November because back then Bitcoin was at 60,000 and it was a tougher fund, I think, to get right because each day the numbers change based upon the value of Bitcoin. So you have to kind of take the approach of long-term and we did different periods where we did an update. Okay, Bitcoin's at 42. Here's what the numbers look like. And it could change tomorrow. Bitcoin could be 25, 30,000, and then the numbers are different. So that was all part of the deal in the fund. So investors know that, but yeah, definitely had to have conversations around that because there was a huge learning curve to take Bitcoin, the price out of the equation, investing in this type of operation. It was new for every investor. So there was a lot of questions. There still are today just in how do distributions work? How do I set up a wallet? This was our biggest fund we've had to date. We released it. And in the first day, we had over 20 million just investor commits come in. And it was a huge success from the standpoint of the interest level. So we're managing this with over 500 investors and each one of them has questions. So it's a lot to handle. It's been a huge undertaking, but we're in a good place with getting through the onboarding process right now. And we just got to continue doing what we're doing. And like I said, we believe in the long-term value of Bitcoin and we're looking at this as a five-year horizon. Yeah, I get it. I didn't want to segue too much into Bitcoin. I really just wanted to (laughs) find out about those difficult conversations and if investors were pushing back. But Ryan, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say from a past investor perspective, do a ton of research, get to know people that you want to emulate what they're doing with their investment style. But after doing a bunch of research, at some point, you're going to have to pull the trigger to find out what this is all about. And I always tell investors, you might not get 100% of your questions answered in the way that you want. But if you got 85, 90% of them answered and you feel good about it, hey, not bad idea to pull the trigger and see how it goes. And if it goes well, great. We see a lot of investors that will continue to keep investing into syndications. But if it doesn't, you know, it's one investment and you can take a pause and reevaluate. But I think just getting started, because the number one regret I have from people who invest with us, they tell us, I wish I would have got started sooner. Had I known about this 10 or 15 years ago, what I've could have grown my net worth to. So I think a big 
part of this is after doing your due diligence and finding a good fit, eventually you just got to pull the trigger and see for yourself what it's all about. Ryan, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, Ryan, what's the best ever book you recently read? There's a book that I've actually read a couple of times and I read it over and over again because it's kind of the story of my life, but it's called Essentialism, the Discipline Pursuit of Doing Less. I'm the type of person who takes on a lot and does a lot. So I've got to manage my time very efficiently. But this book is all about really just focusing your efforts on the highest value items that you have and then letting everything else go. Because as someone who's so busy, I I can't do everything. And so I've got to pinpoint on where the time that I'm going to spend is best spent. So it's a great book. I would encourage anyone who is very busy and wants to get more quality out of their day with the things that actually matter. This book will provide a great guideline for doing that. And Ryan, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? We're on all the different social sites, but probably the easiest way is to go to our website, McKennacapital.com. And then from there, you can connect with me or our team and I'm always happy to, to chat with whomever. But I would say our website is probably the best way to get a hold of us. Ryan, I got to thank you for your time today, sharing your story. Your baseball career took a turn. You had some medical issues, which we're glad you overcame. Your friend's father was an inspiration to you in the syndication world. And you've built an incredible company. So thank you for sharing those lessons with us today. Oh, thank you, Ash. I appreciate you allowing me to come on your show. And hopefully all listeners got a few things out of this. So thanks again. Awesome. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.